Should we redo the Star Trek chant? Star Trek. No. Trek. No. <laughs> the, the moment has passed. Oh, well. It happened off air. That's okay. Welcome back to We Were Gamers Subpod Subspace Transmissions. That's so... Sometimes, some mornings, it's very easy. Let's start it over. Welcome to... <laughs> Uh, we were you are receiving the subspace transmission from us right now. This podcast that you are hearing, mm-hmm. flying into your ears like a spore hub drive. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, we've been watching some Star Trek Discovery. If you haven't watched it and you care about spoilers, you should watch along with us. We're not going very fast. It's like a couple episodes a month. Yeah. I think we're going to do three this particular episode okay. or this particular uh, podcast. Yeah. So three episodes. Uh, that's four through six we'll be covering here. Four through six. So the previous two pods, hopefully, uh, if you somehow managed to tune into this one, go back. The first one is episode subspace transmission eight. And we did the first episode and like a bunch of notes on the series of what it looks like. And then, uh, in episode nine was one and two or two and three. Sorry. Yeah. Three. Two and three. And, uh, now we wanted to pick it up a little bit because there's show kind of is very, uh, much more narrative than maybe the previous versions of, of the show. Even something like Voyager, which kind of it mattered that they were traveling through the Delta Quadrant and stuff was happening to the ship that was permanent. Um, even that was episodic in a way, you know? Yeah, there's definitely... You could miss a couple of weeks of Voyager and still probably be all right. Uh, I feel like if you skipped an episode of this, you would just be very confused about what's going on. Absolutely. Especially with... Uh, after episode three, where they have the tardigrade on board, things sort of uh, yeah. take, a, take a turn for extremely narrative. <laughs> Whereas I thought maybe they were headed towards episodic there when they were like okay well we got everything figured out and i was like okay cool so we're gonna like enter normal trek here and episode and episode four even in specific is very much like a they could have put this anywhere in the timeline almost Mm -hmm. uh except that then the way it resolves sort of leaves you with no choice but to do all this other stuff that they then do in five and six right right all right, so let's get into it. Uh, episode four starts with the best title I may have seen ever in a show. The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. What a name. <laughs> Which maybe is a better title for later in these three episodes. I was going to say that I think the one that I think the next episode has my favorite title. So far. Oh, okay. I didn't write that one down. So you're going to have to remind us when we get there. Um, we kind of do these in order of each episode and at the end of each episode, we talk about it a little bit. And then I think what we'll do, we'll, we'll motor through these real quick and then we'll give some big updates to our opinions on the show at the end, probably because there are some updates. Yes. Yes, <laughs> there are. <clears throat> All right, let's slam through it. Uh, looks like she gets a uniform, but she's got no insignia. I like that. They kind of just were like, uh, she being Michael Burnham, sorry, uh, right. gets a uniform. She's part of the crew, but she's not enlisted. She's just there. No insignia. They had to give her the uniform because the uniforms look cool. And they didn't uh, want her walking around in the orange jumpsuit all the time. Yeah. But they couldn't give her a badge because, you know, I she's Like a I criminal. said, there's some updates to my opinions on the show. And one of them is uh, the uniforms. 
Yeah. Started to get a longer look at them, and um, some of the parts make no sense. Uh, we could just do that. Nah, I put my notes nah, nah, nah. We we'll do it later. Uh, but I just want to say, you know, the episode moves along. Uh, she's sort of tasked with uh, Michael Burnham is tasked with figuring out what's up with. They don't call it the tardigrade at this point, but no. Um, interestingly, she goes to the bridge. Uh, Saru is on her way there, and we find out that the things from the last episode are called Threat Ganglia, which yeah. are going to be an important part of the show for some reason, and I don't like that. That is yucky, uh, just because I don't like the look of it. <laughs> I think it's extremely silly looking, just in general. Yeah. Also, like, no species... <laughs> Is going to name part of their own anatomy ganglia. threat ganglia. Yeah, <laughs> ganglia are things that exist on yeah. cells and and in anatomy. Okay, they could name it that. Sure, but they're not going to say like, "Oh, this is our threat ganglia." Ooh, like, no, dude. <laughs> I know you want to portray uh, Saru as like this constantly, you know, cowardly guy, um, and but no, so dumb. The bridge they is running a uh, red alert simulation because they yeah. won't be able to jump with the spore drive, which we finally get the name of the spore drive here. Uh, uh, they actually call it that, right? Yeah, the displacement activated spore drive hub, hub spore hub drive, spore drive for short. What? Why do you have to be displacement activated? I don't know. I don't. Okay. Does that mean that like only certain size ships can do it? Is that why the the hull spins? Yeah, I don't know. They talk about the hull spinning to like counter some kind of force or whatever that's happening. I thought that was actually pretty cool, like a interesting mechanical solution to like, oh, we've created this like somehow rotational energy and spinning this counteracts it so that we don't feel like shit inside and <laughs> So that's like the only reason you would do that kind of stuff yeah. in engineering, right? It's right. like, oh, we we spin the space stations in in real space so that people inside pretend to have gravity. This is like a similar right idea or something. Yeah. I don't know. All right, so then we get into the real. It part. looks cool. That's yeah. all I'm really into. We get into the real meat of the episode here. Lorca drags Burnham into his little shop of horrors. Uh, Which is, like, interesting. I kind of thought going into this that that little shop of horrors was going to be, like, his secret lair or whatever. Yeah. But nope. No, no. Nope. Just kidding. No, instead, it's like, I've always been waiting for you, xenoanthropologist. Here, enjoy your new lab. Yeah. What? Okay. I noticed something here that I really like that I've never seen in Star Trek before, though. Um, when they're walking to the lab, the lights aren't on in the hallway until they walk through the hallway. Mm -hmm. And on our previous discussions of things being kind of like submarine like in a lot of senses on a lot of these ships, uh, that would make a lot of sense not using power somewhere. It's not needed. Sure. Yeah. I mean the, the light, you know, obviously the ship has, you know, dilithium, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure they can power a light bulb for as long as they want. But also at some point, someone has to go replace that light bulb. Sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> leave it off last for 20 years or whatever. So yeah, leave it off. Leave it off. It's fine. It makes uh, sense. I like that in the last episode, he was like, help me build a spore drive. Help me save the Federation. And in this one, he's just like, jump in with both feet. Weaponize this. Build me weapons, actually. 
Yeah. Uh, this well, being the, uh, I, the tardigrade, I guess, which... Yeah, they're calling it the Ripper here still, I think. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> the only note I wrote for this entire part is, wow, Lorca is clearly evil. I didn't think so. <laughs> He's acting super shifty through these whole series of episodes. Okay, that later... Episode six is kind of... Maybe you're right a little bit. Uh, At at this point, though, I basically just got from him. He's like, hey, I don't care what this thing is. It clearly messed up some Klingons real good. I want it to mess up Klingons for me. Let's do war crimes. Like That's kind of (laughs) all I got. I was like, whoa, my dude, you're just talking about directly going into developing like murder robots. Let's like slow down. Yeah, I thought I got a different vibe. I think Jason Isaacs is a great actor. Like, yeah very clearly one of the most polished on the show in terms of his um ability to act you know slight emotions very slight emotions and in this one i got the the f- i got out of him that he's frustrated a lot with a lot of things right like the spore drive is not working right the other ship blew up his bridge crew can't handle his simulations that he's trying to run and they told him to win this war and he's got nothing right now and so that to me read that way at this moment. Um, okay. So I kind of bought in to like, all right, Lorca, I think you're going to end up being a little bit over the top and we're going to have that moment where you lose it and you're going way too far because clearly this is setting that sort of thing up. But yeah. uh, I get where you're coming from. So I'm not, I'm not all the way to uh, where we end up in episode six, I think. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it, that was just like this whole section I've really had like, Almost no notes, and then it was yeah. just like, man, Lorca is evil. <laughs> um, the Klingons are dead in the water. They ate Philippa. Yeah, man, wow. Uh, <laughs> just, they just kind of tossed that out there as like a, oh, you sure we're okay eating the human smooth brain? It's like, wait, what, huh? Yeah. Klingons eat people? What? When did that happen? When did they become... Yeah, I I did not understand that one. That was new, right? That's I don't remember Klingons eating people. No, I definitely don't remember them eating people. They do then try to make it like, oh, everyone on this ship is starving or whatever. Sure, but uh, uh, look, are you are you going to eat a space alien? I don't think I would. I guess they cooked it. Um, but they won't go steal the part they need from the Shenzhou to fix the ship, and that's it. That's a little aside from the Klingons. There, we head yep. back to the security commander, whose voice, whose name I never got. She names it the Ripper. Yep. Uh, and then here's what I wrote for this part. Wow, this security lady is dumb as hell. She is very dumb, but she comes up with one of the great lines of this episode. Burnham says, the tardigrade can only be what it is, not what you want it to be. And she's trying to point out, like, I don't think this thing is like a weapon. I think it's just a giant like cow with really meat cleavery hands. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and she says Lorca doesn't care what you are, only what you can do. And then she yeah, adds, it, as a separate sentence, for him. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like very clearly her being like, "Look, listen, lady, I've been around a long time. Yeah. You're new here. I'm going to show you what's up. Lorca wants you to turn this into a weapon. I recommend you figure out how to turn it into a weapon. Right, right. He um, says jump. You should say how high. <laughs> he said. He says jump. You should say like, like 
with how many other people basically right she's like dragging everyone else along um we find out that core van two where the federation gets 40 percent of their dilithium which is new to me i've never remembered that being a thing uh maybe in the later series they've diversified their dilithium storage because of this problem like their their dilithium portfolio has been yeah (laughs) enhanced later in the series or something Uh, because wow so no one apparently can get there somehow. You'd think that would be a very protected piece of space. Yeah, for such an important strategic asset, they have no spaceships there. Uh, they said huh? they they got through the blockade with the birds of prey or something. I would uh, like to point out, hmm. space blockades don't work. <laughs> you gotta you have know, to space- have a, like Ender's Game amount of ships. Yeah, it doesn't. You can't do that, man. Space, you can go anywhere. There's a lot of it. It's very difficult to blockade space because you have to make a sphere around the sphere <laughs> you want to protect. It's like eighty times more ships than you need to protect. Anyway, yeah, space blockades are dumb. Well, Sorry, that's all I got. Space blockades are dumb. And so is the and they don't uh, work apparently. So, so is the Federation <laughs> needs like some help setting their ships in the right places. Um, and then we jump back to the Klingons. Uh. I don't think I don't really have any notes about jumping back to the Klingons as they try to like figure their stuff out. Other than that, I'm not digging something about the Klingon accent. Yeah, uh, the, this guy is like uh, he he's kind of mopey. Yeah, he's kind of mopey. It's like, oh, Takuvma is dead. Why do you guys not want to honor mm. Takuvma? And we'll survive. We're Klingons. But there's like a, there's like a, some sort of digital affectation they've put over their voices to make them sound muffly or something. And I don't know. Or like there's, or they're trying to speak it through the prosthetics or something. It's very confusing. It's weird. I want, yeah. yeah. I'm starting to miss my TNG Klingons. I know. I want someone to like yell about Stovocore and like. So good. Get in a fight. Right? Exactly. I don't think they ate people. No, no. As far as I can tell, and never before have we talked about Klingons eating people. All right. So Black Alert is for jumping the spore drive. I wish that there was more uses for Black Alert than that because Black Alert is awesome. <laughs> the idea of Black Alert is cool. I mean, yeah. The, the, yeah. <laughs> just the whole thing where they're just like, Black Alert. And you're like, okay. All right. Good. Couldn't they just say, like, engage the spore drive? They have to have a black alert for that. Well, so here's my question about black alert. They're going to be jumping into a war zone. Shouldn't they be at red alert? Yeah, man, certainly seems reasonable. <laughs> They're going to jump and, in. And, like, they definitely... It, it's not like they replace red alert with black alert, because later... They jump you in and red alert, yeah. Red alert, you're like, oh, okay, well, like, is is it just, like... DEFCON levels where you promote up and then you can go down one at a time or something? Personally, I think if my body could end up in a twisted mess just from doing it, I would rather that be red alert and we can go down to black alert for battle. Yeah, man. Um, Lorca's catchphrase is go, which I think is great considering his character. Yeah, he's very no-nonsense here. Go. Uh, They don't make it, though. Nope. He says, collision is not an option as they try to fall into a star, which I thought was yep. beautiful. It was very pretty. The like CG effects and stuff outside the ship looked cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that this show spent a lot of time when you can see the ships making them very pretty. I have a comment about the ships in a minute, but um, they can't seem to... Let's see what... uh, Get the spore drive working right. So he plays... What does he do? He plays the the recording? No, not quite yet, right? They they escape from the star, right, right, by like getting the other normal engines back online and they kind of pull away. And then they're trying to figure out how to get the spore drive to do better. And, uh, it, I think that he goes down there and is yelling at the engineer. I think they're in the sick bay where, uh, we finally meet Dr. Culber for the first real amount of time. Uh, who's fixing Stamens's face. Oh, right, because in the jump, like, Stamen's, like, face plants his, uh, like, the motion or whatever makes him yeah. hit his face on the thing, so he's in there, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't get any inkling of stuff that comes later here. They did a good job. Yeah. Uh, so Agreed. he plays those recordings, which kind of sets the crew on edge, recordings of the colony getting attacked, and then I'm sure you have comments about what the security chief does next. Wow, this lady is dumb. Uh, I wrote again. <laughs> well, uh, and, was and dumb. her her solution to yeah was dumb. Uh, her solution to figuring out what the tardigrade does or can do or whatever is let's shoot it. Which let's works let it go so well. After, after we saw what it did to everyone before, I have one gun. It killed 15 people on that other ship. And a knife. And, and a knife. Uh, and I'm going to anesthetize it or whatever. <laughs> there are no words for how stupid this whole plan is. <laughs> I just don't even have any idea what they were doing. It was clearly like they needed to write this character out really fast for some reason. They couldn't have had her die last episode when it would have made more sense. Well... Uh, I like that Lorca doesn't really blame Burnham for, for the death. No, I, I think like that. Like by the end of this episode, actually, I think I was starting to come around on Lorca. Yeah, uh, and then it went out the window by the time we got to episode. Six. I don't know that it's out the window after episode six. I have yeah. Okay, so they uh, Klingon steal the dilithium processor from the Shenzhou. Um, and then Volk again seems drama. to be sad, and there's drama. Because uh, he's using human technology. Oh, no. Burnham figures out that the tardigrade eats spores. I want to know how the spores live in space. I, I have a lot of questions about the tardigrade in space and how it, how the spores work and how they talk about the fungal network. spores going throughout the sub-magic layer of transportation network or whatever. Uh-huh. The, none of it makes any damn sense at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh Volk is betrayed. Uh the guy who he thought was coming to pledge fealty to him turns out actually was there to take all his people and his technology and then leave him. Cole, General Cole. Yeah. Who wisely said, "You know, I should go back and help the one ship in existence that we know has cloaking technology." How did no one else <laughs> think of this? I don't I it makes me really say, like, well, you pretty much should back Cole, because he's the only guy that was like, I should go steal that ship that can cloak while the other 23 houses are running around doing what? Who knows? Yeah, man. Yeah. Not a lot of strong thinkers in the Klingon side 
in this series of episodes. I'm I'm concerned that the Klingons might be a little makeup wise and with them only ever speaking Klingon unless they're talking to the Federation. Maybe they've made them a little too alien for me. Because the yeah. the Klingons before they they humanized them very well across multiple platforms. And one of those platforms was makeup. And another one was letting you into their society much easier by having them speak English when they're alone. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, that gave you the whole like, yeah, man, Stovacor, I'm in for that. Versus this one where they say Stovacor and it's like, you know, that they're in the middle of trying to get all these Klingon words out of their mouths. So, I yeah. don't I- the there definitely was a sense by the time you'd gone through a lot of TNG and DS9 that you were like, you know, these guys are kind of like cool spacefaring warrior Viking. Viking human guys with weird foreheads, right? Like they didn't feel that alien, right? But at this point, you're kind of like, these are just some straight up alien dudes. We don't really get a lot of. Like you don't get a sense of their humanity and stuff, um, you know. Maybe until a little later. It's maybe, just really, yeah. really weird. I, yeah, I agree. It's a strange decision to yeah. do it this way. We finally get a working spore drive shot, which is pretty cool. Yay! Bam! Yeah, the the ship like freaks out too. It, like, yeah, inverts and rolls on its axis in a way that seems not possible. It was pretty cool uh, because they plug the tardigrade into it. Yeah, so Burnham connects the dots that whatever this equipment they salvaged from the Glen was a way to essentially harness this animal to do this. Turn it into a supercomputer navigation right, somehow. system thing. Um, I wish that we had gotten a better shot of the Birds of Prey here. Yeah. There's a lot of busy fighting happening, and most of it is just explosions, and I really couldn't get a good look at the Birds of Prey. I don't know if you have looked them up since then. No, they don't. I just saw them streak through the shot a couple times, and they looked like vaguely similar to the ones I remember, but I didn't like freeze frame and yeah, uh, they look very similar in shape, but they look again kind of like those two thousand nine birds of prey with the like forward swept just wings, Mm. um, and the one little engine on the back. It's kind of I don't know. I don't know what to think about them. Hmm. Hopefully we'll get some better shots of them later. Because it's kind of yeah, an important I mean, ship. And they definitely... The uh, the Federation mentions them being, like, around a lot. Mm-hmm. So I I want to hope that we will see them more as the show goes on. All right. Giorgio twists the knife from beyond the grave and leaves Burnham uh, family heirloom and says, Oh, I imagine you have your own ship and whatever in her little... Message. Uh, my my note about this part is that uh, they clearly don't have any courts in the future because how would Philip of Giorgio's family allow their family heirloom from ancient Earth to go to the traitor who killed her? Maybe she doesn't have any family left. I suppose that must be the only reading then. I kind it, of read that as she took on captainhood in Starfleet and never had a family. And she was it, you know? Okay. I... I like that better than what I was thinking. I was like, her kids are like, yeah, let's give this to the lady who killed our mom. I was like, whoa, (laughs) what? 
Um, but actually, you're reading makes way more sense. It's weird to me at the end of this episode, I was left with the feeling that there's like so much crew that we've seen on this ship over and over again that I don't know any of their names. Every, like of the bridge officers besides Saru and Lorca, I could not name a single person on the bridge of that ship. And we're supposed to be able to name at least the woman that has the like side thing on her head. I don't know. She's from another ship or something that Burnham said her name one time and never said it again. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it, it's a it's bizarre, man. They've clearly done like tried to do the ensemble cast thing that yeah. they kind of had going in, in the next generation and DS9 and the other Star Trek shows. But they've done like a really terrible job of introducing you to the names of a lot of the cast yeah. or it feels like it anyway. Yeah. I, I see their faces really? a lot. I just don't. Who are they? I don't know any of their names. I know Dr. Kolber. Maybe. Right. I didn't. I didn't know his name at this point in this right. show. I didn't, I, I didn't know I didn't his get name him until right? like episode six or yeah. five or whichever yeah. the next one is. Yeah. Any thoughts on episode four or we shoot to episode five here? Uh, I kind of gave my thoughts here. I think, okay. you know, um, like I said up front, it, it felt almost, except for the part where like this is where they figure out the spore drive. It kind of felt like at the end of this episode, they could go off and have adventures. Yes. Right. Like they didn't need to continue the narrative beyond this. Except that they did. Uh, they almost tricked me into thinking that at the beginning of episode five uh, here, because, well, we just get into it. Lorca, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, so Burnham has a bad dream. She's sort of mentally connected to the tardigrade. But then uh, we get to the meat of it. Lorca is in a meeting with a bunch of admirals. And uh, we find out that the... Discovery has been using the spore drive, jumping around all over the place. Yeah, getting getting, getting stuff get, done. Getting war on. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. And that could have been part of their like, okay, well, that's what we're doing. If they didn't want to do a lot of the other things they want to do, it sounds like, you know, with the whole like, well, we can't keep using the spore drive because it's going to kill the animal. and Yeah. So like, you know, kind of the, the uh, at the jump off here in episode five. I sort of thought this is where we would be by the end of this season. Right. Yeah. And, and like, they completely end ran around what I thought was going to happen here. Right. Yeah. We there's, there's the Starfleet's like, you can't be doing this. You're going off on your own, you know, and getting things, you know, he's like, I have to win the war my way and the whole thing. And, and they're like, this asset is too important and all this stuff. And, you know, it's like, well, Oh, okay. So, like, they're just not going to show the adventures of the ship at all. The, the adventures <laughs> are not. something else. Yeah, we're good. we're gonna have serious meeting time and like. Yeah, it took yeah. to episode three to get our ship. Come on. Yeah. yeah, give me some fun adventures before you go into like serious Federation meeting time mode. Yeah, so it is oh. a serious meeting. They're making more spore drive ships. I noticed some more stuff about the uniforms here for later. <laughs> yeah. Nah, uh, you can bring it up real quick if you got like a uh shoulder pads. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that was what you were gonna uh -huh. say. Uh-huh. Shoulder pads. Uh-huh. Here we go. <laughs> yep. Alright, so moving on. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. Lorca shoots a bunch of stuff in his eyes, dear God. So uh I didn't know what this was at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and like it didn't make 
I didn't realize what it was. I thought he was doing drugs. Oh, okay. No, because she walks in, Admiral Cornwell walks in and says, get your eyes fixed. Right. So then I was like, what? You know, like I put it together by the time the events that unfold next happen. But I right. was like, I didn't get it's like he's shooting up in the conference room. Like someone's going to see you, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> do your like illegal space drugs in your eyes somewhere else, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I've been watching too much anime or something. Maybe. Lorca says out loud the thing that every Starfleet captain keeps inside. He says, my ship, my way. I, you know, I think you clearly pick up here on this scene that Lorca and the Admiral, uh, whose name I have forgotten. Cornwall. Even they, Cornwall, thank you. Uh, that, that Lorca and Cornwall have like a history. Definitely. They came up together or something. Yeah. And she's like, hey, I'm speaking to you as a friend. You know, let's like rein it in. We can get this done. You know, it's too important for us and too important for you to be acting like this. You know, and then he's like, you know, my ship, my way. You don't like it. Too bad. Yeah. The Admiral said I could. Right. Uh, I like that she doesn't leave Burnham off the list of like things like like Starfleet's not just going to forget, you know. Yes. There's Thank a- God. I-, I was very worried they were going to do that and just right. be like, oh, you brought on Burnham. Okay, cool. Whatever. And she's like, yo, this is a dumb idea. You're sabotaging yourself. Like yeah. here, you're making other people into your enemy inside Starfleet. Like, don't do this. Right. You've taken the only mutineer in the history of a hundred and whatever years of Starfleet and you're using them. And it's like, okay, cool. So this is going to be a thing. I like that. Yes. Uh, Hey, this is a bad look, my dude. Consider. (laughs) All right. So the D7 shows up. Lorca's in a shuttle? Yeah. Unclear why the shuttle was either A, not at warp, or did it show up right next to the space base they were on? I. Yeah, where where are they? How did the D7 get to them unnoticed? Nobody's that's, long-range sensors picked it up? That's a lot of questions I have. Yeah, that one's a big, big question mark for me of like, I don't understand how this happened. Um, but he gets abducted. Lorca gets abducted because yep. the Klingons know that Lorca is on the shuttle somehow. Yep, a lot of questions also, here. Yeah. Lorca's, this whole thing, yeah, very strange. They know Lorca's on the shuttle somehow. They know Lorca's the captain of the Discovery. They know the Discovery is so they kind of me- they they kind of mentioned that in the meeting though. Yeah, They're like, yeah. oh, the Klingons are kind of picking up on what you're doing. You need right. sort of figuring out Discovery is the ship. We need you to not you know be so out there all the time, right? And so like I could understand them knowing who Lorca is. Okay, I don't know how they know he's on that shuttle. I don't right. know where this shuttle is in relation to anything else or how they f- how they find that shuttle. Yeah. And how that shuttle is out itself, not in warp, not in between, you know, defenses or whatever. One would hope that in the future we get a like, actually, there's a Klingon spy or something, you know, like, and maybe yeah, there maybe is because in this yeah, episode we find out about one. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so I thought it was. Have, uh, yeah. d- oh, no, go ahead. Oh, it's fine. I, I, if you have more on the D7. No, no. Okay. It's like it. It was cool to see it show up, and then I—I I just my the next page of notes is just, oh no! It just goes <laughs> on forever uh, as we get Captain Saru. Oh, uh, yeah, not great. <laughs> um, yeah, 
Uh, actually, a lot of the rest of my notes uh, from this part are about Lorca's side of this story. So I love Lorca's you- side of the story, but uh, we'll get we'll get to Lorca's in just a second because I think yeah. there's some great moments here with sure. Saru that I don't want to gloss over. No one listens to Burnham Part Two. Occurs. It seems to be the theme of this story where, like, Burnham has a ethical or justifiable concern. Everyone goes, no, mutineer, I won't listen to you. <laughs> and then her concern turns out to be right. Right. Yeah. So we get Saru not listening to Burnham again. Uh, and then Burnham, uh, Saru, concerned that he can't manage Burnham's uh, non-faith in him or something. Brings, she hasn't done anything. I, like, don't, <laughs> I don't understand. She's not even in, enlisted, so it doesn't matter what she says to him. Um, Gives Saru maybe my favorite moment in the show so far where he says, Computer, list the most decorated captains in Starfleet oh history. God. Oh, my God. This scene was excruciating. I, I jumped up. I said, yeah. <laughs> I, I watch this and I'm like, he's having a pity session on my screen. On I don't his, need this. On his own to the computer of the ship. Oh, okay. I'm list, doing... the, list the qualities in a good captain and tell me I that wrote I'm him down. please. I'm I so sad. Down. I wrote him down. <laughs> Bravery, compassion, tactical brilliance, self-sacrifice, and intelligence. Those are the captain's... Those are the uh, qualities of a captain. So Saru decides that he's going to did, hold on before we go past this too yeah, far. Did you yeah. look at the list of captains? I did. And I did. So I, I took there? a picture of it. It was Robert April, which is the captain of the Enterprise currently. I th- no previous to Pike. Uh, so Pike is already the captain of the Enterprise as of right, uh, Pike discovery. is on that list. Also, yeah, uh, yeah, which I thought was awesome actually. So Robert April, Jonathan Archer, right. Matt <laughs> Decker from, from Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt Decker, who I don't know who that is, um, was in. He must just be from original series then, because it the timeline would only make sense that like original series era people, yeah, would be on this list. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's he's mentioned in later shows, and he's on the original series, and he's the captain of the USS Constellation. I looked that part oh, up, and okay. um, the constellation being the predecessor to the Enterprise, right? Um, and that is mentioned in the original series at some point, I think. Right. So. so I believe he was killed in whatever episode of Star Trek he's in the original series. Um, Sounds right. And then it was, and then it's Philippa Giorgio and Captain Pike. Captain Pike. That's the part that I was like, awesome. Pre- yeah. So awesome that they like knew at this point they needed to like get pike references going yeah uh but the rest of this scene was oh my god excruciating and i wanted to fast forward it's like it's like watching someone have like an emo breakdown and you're just like my dude (laughs) this is (laughs) i don't think we can you are defeating yourself here (laughs) we cannot expect more from saru that's all i have to say yeah uh harry mud we cut back to uh this part and you hear the the titular line of this episode choose your pain yes <laughs> which is the name of this episode by the way yep. uh and uh 
my my notes for like meeting Harry Mud and all these uh the, these Lorca scenes is everyone here is just a bunch of space a holes. <laughs> This Harry Mud guy is a jerk. The Klingons on this prison ship are jerks. Yeah. Lorca is a jerk. Like is no one is nice, jerk, isn't he? <laughs> um, how can that other dude, uh, Tyler, when he meets Lorca, tell his rank? Can you tell? No. And I had a good question. I wanted to know how he knew. Yeah, he looks because there's like no captain? like pips. He's no pips on his collar. His uniform isn't really different. It's that almost I could identical. See. Yeah. So like maybe there's like a code to the stripes on the shoulders or something. See, yes. I don't know. See there. So I think I have a theory, and that comes back to the shoulder pad thing, and it's terrible if it's true. Um. Yeah. So he pat. They we figure out about past the pain. We jump back to Burnham in the candlestick in the library. No. Uh. She's, Burnham's with Stamens and yeah. And they're uh, trying to... What's her name? Figure- Tilly? Tilly. Tilly, yes. They're trying to figure out how to use the tardigrade without using the tardigrade because they're killing the tardigrade. Right. And um, you can see Burnham, like, you know, is... Uh, I think later in this scene, she, like, is gently feeding it, trying to nurse yeah. it back to health as it's clearly deteriorating. And uh, we get the Star Trek, the first F-bomb in Star Trek, maybe? Is it? I, yeah, probably, huh? I have, don't think there would have been one before because everything else was on TV. Yeah. And then they say it again. <laughs> yeah. Saru loses his shit. Uh, later through the parts of this episode, actually, a bunch of like non-Star Trek vernacular starts sneaking in. Oh, you should point I, that out because I missed that. There's – well, later. We'll get to it. Uh, we find out, we go back to the Klingon ship, and we finally get a lot of Lorca backstory here, because Harry Mudd apparently knows who he is. Yeah, um, real weird. Uh, at this time, I guess I didn't realize that, I thought it was a fun guest character. I didn't think he was going to be a more continuing part of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Harry Mudd, I was like, how does he know Lorca? How is he giving, you know, it's like, oh, this is an interesting way to get the backstory, but how does this random dude know? Yeah. Um. Man, Lorca and so, blew up his previous ship with his whole crew on it. So Lorca's ship was ambushed by Klingons or something. I didn't get the idea of why this battle happened. Okay. But Lorca's ship loses or is disabled or something, and he escapes, but he then knows that the Klingons are going to capture everyone else on the ship, so he blows it up. So that they won't be taken to Kronos and tortured and, and tortured. paraded around. Because he knew that it was better for them all to die than to be tortured by the Klingons. Yikes. Yo, how did this guy become a captain after that? <laughs> yeah, on a guess, new ship that has the most ingenious weapon they've ever had on it. I guess the implication here is that maybe that's not what Lorca told other people. It sounds like it as we get to episode six later that maybe yeah. people don't quite understand what happened there. Yes, because I, when you when you when we get this, I'm like, uh, what? This dude is a monster. <laughs> like, you know, say whatever you want about you know whether you think living in torture is great or not. It's probably really bad. Yeah, I don't think you, the captain, get to choose to kill everyone on your ship. 
you know, if they want to make that choice for themselves to commit seppuku or whatever, like go for it, I guess. Yeah, maybe. I I yeah, man. That's a tough one. I want more details on that one later. That is a that is a moral choice and yeah. not an easy one. Saru starts to go a little overboard, but the tardigrade says no more and turns into a little ball and like drops a bunch of water on the ground. Lorca escapes like, with Tyler. Oh, from the hold ship. on, sorry. Oh, yeah, we yeah. got to talk about the tardigrade for like another half second. Oh, yeah. They, they mentioned that it went into some kind of like stasis or whatever. They give it a name that I couldn't ever actually hear. Bio fully something. What fully what the name was. Sure. It's like suspended animation or something. They say that it reduced its water content in its body to like 1% of normal. Uh-huh. Which then later in this episode we can talk about again because there's some stuff that doesn't make sense still. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, back to Lorca. It, it might also be sentient. They said, which is like, oh yeah. The doctor so starts saying like, "Hey, I think this thing might be sentient. This is I can't be a part of this anymore. Y'all are like trying to kill it." Right. Lorca escapes with uh, Lieutenant Tyler. Disruptors. Uh, oh, we, we missed the part. We missed the part earlier where they're torturing, where the captain of this prison vessel or whatever is torturing Lorca. Right. 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 Uh, with the bright lights where I figured out what was going on with his oh, eyes. yeah. He's very sensitive to light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wrote down that in this case, there are four lights. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah, there were four there. There were four lights? Uh, yep. Good for yeah, them. I wrote that down. <laughs> nice job. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, you go through uh, Lorca learns that that guy Harry has Mudd been- is a spy. Right, and that the other guy uh, is like been doing things with the captain, maybe. Yeah, uh, definitely not. Maybe. Okay, like well, it's not clear like him. what kind of things they've been doing, but yeah, I mean, it's implied that you know he's her Ad- side piece or adult whatever. Adult things. Yeah, uh, and so Lorca and, and these this other guy whose name I also still didn't have at this point. Uh finally put the ruse to the Klingons of like, oh no, I'm down and injured. Let's do the prison escape thing where like, you have exactly as many guards as we have people in this cell and none of you choose to use your guns. Right. Uh, those um, guns are, they, they upped the Anteon disruptors a little bit, huh? Wow, man. <laughs> you make it hey. bounce now. And they can, the people just like, poof and they're yeah. gone. Yeah. It's not like a, you shoot someone and they get hurt unless you like very lightly graze them in a way that the makeup can handle. Otherwise, they just poof. Well, the the Klingon disruptor has always kind of been a poof if it hits you center mass. Uh, but is, yeah, remember? I just feel like I, re- I remember a lot more cases of people being shot and just having like bloody wounds on their side and and kind of being like falling over. It's all over the place on that one because sometimes yeah. phasers are bloody and I don't I don't. Yeah, you're right. That's true. It like and if more science here like hey, if these are actually are like somehow light beams that hurt you, it would cauterize immediately cuz it's right. light sure. and hot. Anyway, whatever. Um yeah, they, so they stage this uh escape and the captain comes back to uh find her boyfriend or whatever uh and he starts beating the crap out of her. Holy cow, dude. <laughs> Uh, and you know, she eventually realizes that she's a Klingon and he's just some, some dude. Yeah. Lorca does not abandon Tyler. And yeah. Uh, so like I was starting to come around on him here. It's like, oh, right. He's like, he's coming back to get his people. He's making up for the bad things he did in the past. I, I see I like him. his I, thing. I, yeah. Okay. Uh huh. 
He's um, a, he's definitely a, like that moment where he in the ship. I think he says uh, when they're escaping in this little raider or whatever they call them. He says, "Your eyes are messed up from that battle, huh?" And he's like, "Yeah, man. You choose your own pain, you know." Right. Uh, so you know, he, and he's saying like, that and then it he helps. mentions that his pain helps him remember. Right. Right. Um. So I guess maybe Lorca is a deeper well than he lets on, which is very Picard-like, right? Like in front of his crew. Yeah, and like I, I really liked the characterization of him here. I just think that like there's a lot of. He did some problematic stuff in the past. <laughs> Very clearly, something with his past is up, right? Like, yeah. and we're not getting the whole story. I yeah. think it's what it's written that to make us suspect that we're not getting the whole story. Yeah, um, and thus far, it proves that we can't necessarily trust all the stuff we've heard. So, per- yes, yes, and that's cool. I think is that's kind of cool that um, unlike TNG, which is almost always face value, um, this might not be. So, yeah. They set the tardigrade free. I wrote here, she just wants to go to jail? Because Stamen's experiments on himself. Yeah. So this is the part where I mentioned the like weird vernacular stuff starts creeping in. Okay. After he gets like spore high or whatever, um, you know, that you hear the uh from the captain, he's like, oh, you know, okay, we've got Lorca back, let's go. You know, uh, Saru, who has clearly decided he doesn't give a crap about the tardigrade. Uh, is just like we're we're jumping now. Are we ready? And then you hear like from engineering, the drive will work. Yeah, yeah. We like are that. able to jump. Is the quote I wrote that down because I was like, right. I should remember this quote in case they don't immediately say who injected themselves with the stuff. <laughs> yeah, I also was worried about them not saying that because obviously they showed Chekhov's injector earlier in right. the, uh, yeah. the thing, right? Right. It's like, you know, something's going to happen with this thing. And so, yeah, you, I figured, you know, they had kind of hinted that maybe Michael was going to do it earlier because you see Michael having that freak out vision or whatever at some point earlier. Yeah, they did the hint episode. that she would do it, right? Yeah. And she's the one who's been protecting the tardigrade kind of, so it would have made sense. But no, it was the chief engineer who got high on spores or whatever, and it makes also makes sense because he's trying to, you know, she she pre- presents it earlier as like per- protecting his invention, totally. So, um, and you know, the the jump works somehow. None of that is explained. Saru uh, turns around and says, "Oh, actually, I do care about the tardigrade, and also uh, I am really upset at you because I didn't get to be a first officer under Giorgio to Burnham." So Burnham gives him the telescope. Which, okay, fine. Sure. I'm good with that. Uh, Yeah. And now you get the, uh, you know, as they rush into the engineering to check on the guy whose vital signs are not stable or something. And he, like, wakes up and has, like, this, like, really glassy-eyed look and is like, I saw the spores, man. (laughs) And he just... yeah. That's just You're beginning just like, there, because then I know. at the very end, uh, we find out that he and Dr. Culber are an item. Uh, yeah. Which you kind of picked up maybe during this episode when they were arguing about the the tardigrade, and he says at the end, oh, you would have left me if I kept experimenting on it. Yeah. I was like, okay, I yeah. kind of picked up on that a little bit. Um, yeah. What? Five, 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 because I typed it too fast. <laughs> the mirror. Yeah. So they they show that right, and, yep. and at the 
it's clearly foreshadowing something's something? up with stamens he's looking at himself in the mirror he leaves the room and he's still in the mirror and then the mirror leaves the room and it kind of it, it's almost hint it feels like it's almost hinting at like he's like some kind of a space vampire or like a, a weird you know like there's a weird alternate reality being created here or yeah, something and that's what i was wondering is the spore drive is the spore drive tapping into the mirror universe and this is kind of like a like a, a foreshadowing or a, like a hint that they're like actually yeah. the spore drive isn't moving you around it's like moving you through realities yeah so it, there's a lot of questions here uh you know, at the end, it's a cool, like, ooh, cool, look at this stinger. Uh, but they don't do much with it uh, in episode six, at least. Uh, did you have any other comments about the end of five here? No, I think that I'm good on five. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was kind of my, my thing, too. It's, a, it's like, it's a, Burnham just wants to go to jail, though. She releases the thing that's known as strategic asset. Well, Captain like, Saru made the call because he was still acting captain, so that's not her fault. It, I know. I I think also probably Saru didn't mean for her to release it. <laughs> no, he definitely did. He said, if that thing's sentient, then we need to do the thing that's right by it, and I will stand by the decision to do the okay. thing that is right by a sentient species as captain, because Lorca still can't be in command. So basically he's saying, like, hurry up and get rid of the tardigrade before Lorca takes over again. Okay. I th it's, that's how I read that that scene. I I like that reading better than the reading I had at the time, which was like, hey, you need to fix this thing that's that's sick and, you know, do whatever it takes to make it better because we need it. And then Burnham being like, well, the right thing to do is release it and then doing it. And it just mm. makes her look like I want to go to jail again. Okay. I could see um, how you could do it both I ways. like I, I like your reading better, so I'm going to choose to believe that's what <laughs> okay. was intended. All right. All right. Episode so, six, six. Space magic. Uh, I wrote at the beginning, we get more... <laughs> We get more Sarek. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, I don't know about woohoo, but... Well, yay. at the beginning, I didn't know where they were going with the Oh, episode. okay. <laughs> Good point. At the beginning, I was like, oh, interesting, Sarek. I just right. saw, like, the first scene had Sarek, and I was like, oh, sweet, we get more Sarek. I then, thought that those disco shirts were only, a, like, a f merchandise thing when I saw them, people wearing them before. And now that I've seen them running around in them, I want one. No, they're terrible. Oh. I also wrote that both of them have terrible running form and oh, are going to be God. extremely injured in it, about another minute of running. It's like neither one of them had ever run before. Burnham looked like she was running in slow motion. Yeah. It like it just it, that's not how you run, man. They're like jumping while running. It was very I, confusing. I think that um you know how everyone goes through like firearms training and stuff. Mm -hmm. They should just do like an exercise course with everybody also. Yeah, giant Star Trek yoga. Why not? Something, something. But they got the training... that giant cargo bay. They're not using it. And they also apparently have holodecks. Oh, yeah. So then I wrote like, oh, so this guy that Vlorka rescues is now going to become a main character, obviously. Yep, of course. Uh, he offers him his chief of security job. Which I guess was conveniently free after the hmm. last episode. Hmm. I guess that's two episodes ago, but still. Oh, well, uh, yeah. Hey, holodeck seems anachronistic. Am I wrong? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know the the way they kind of make it seem they don't move around a ton. They definitely have the like mirrors and stuff. Yeah. 
but yeah, you're right. It seems like very like I don't know that they should have had it here. Prior to the late 24th century, they were not equipped with start with holodecks. That's what this says on Memory Alpha, right? Uh, I haven't looked, but it, I guess it, it see they they didn't have them in the original series. They didn't have them in Enterprise, which makes sense. Yeah. And they do show up in TNG, right? Yeah. Okay, well, somewhere between those two, they have to come in. But this is hewing pretty close to the timelines for the original series, so... I don't know why. They say the Crossfield-class vessels were equipped with holographic technology, but not holodecks. So they don't count as a holodeck, I guess. Even though it's really exactly it's totally what they a holodeck, do with it. but I I don't know. I, that Maybe it's a battle simulator only. It, okay, sure. Okay, fine. Um, the Vulcan on Sarek's mission shoots himself with blow up juice and glows. Yeah, I wrote. Oh boy, we get more. We get Vulcan extremists in this show. Yep, which is and not an unknown thing. They were a lot no, of them defi- in in Enterprise. Yeah, I was going to say they've definitely talked about them before in Enterprise and other shows. So it's not like this is the first time we've heard of this. Yep. But I was like, oh, this thing again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I never we- really liked it much. It, well, the Vulcans were kind of like bad guys in Enterprise in a lot of the case. They were definitely uh, wet blankets. <laughs> yeah. And here this guy just sort of seemed like, okay, you get Sarek is off to do some... You get Sarek is off to do some stuff that he's not all the way on the level with, with this dude, like, right, right off the bat, right? Right. Because he's like, you know, let me do the diplomacy. You just sit back there and What's drive. What's the mission? Ah, like, uh, the mission is for you to be quiet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the logic here is for you to shut up. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and then it's like, okay, uh, so this is the, they have to have a reason to put Sarek in danger to make the rest of this episode go. I guess this is the way you do it. It sucks. I would rather have just had them be attacked by Klingons or something. Yeah. Or just, yeah. Ugh. And then we have to go through the psychic Katra again with Sarek and Space Burnham magic. being psychically connected because they share the same life force. But we do get an interesting addition or clarification on Michael Burnham's history, which is something I was confused about in the first or second episode. Um, you see the mind meld with Burnham and she's on the ground. And we thought that was when Sarek rescued her and from the colony, from yeah. the colony. And it turns out it was not, it was Vulcan extremists that blew her up. Yeah. So that actually like made me way happier with Michael's backstory, figuring that out. Yes. Because at the time I was like, why was Sarek on this random human colony rescuing random kids? How right. does all this fit together? Where about Michael's parents? What about a whole lot of things? But then, you know, finding this part out makes way more sense because they were like, it's not like the terrorists were there to blow up the school because they didn't like the school. Right. They were there to blow up specifically her because she was a human at the school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um and man, we kind yeah. of get, uh, my next note here is like, some of this stuff is way more fun than having just normal flashbacks. I agree. It was like a fun way to tell us some of these stories, even though we only get pieces of them, you know, throughout the episode here. While I um, was very, I, it puts me very out of sorts to have this new Vulcan across space 
mind connection thing that is like I don't understand how that could ever possibly work, especially considering it's not in any of the later shows and like yeah. it doesn't seem it, very feasible, but man, you finally get some interesting stuff out of Sarek and the Vulcans. Not that yes, there wasn't and, and in, that was the thing that I was happy about with yeah. it. But like the space magic part of it was like, okay, really let's let's just you want to tell some cool stories, we have to get inside the Vulcans' heads to do it. Okay, this is a way to do it, but man. <laughs> Speaking of getting inside of heads, something is in Stamens' head. Yeah. He's I, I clearly wrote, losing his shit. <laughs> uh, he talks about how things are groovy. Yeah. And more like weird vernacular slipping in here. He mentions about how stuff is very cool. Yeah. These are all kinds of things that like they would never say in a Star Trek. Well, it's also something that very clearly Stamens has never said either. Yeah, it, uh, it, it was, was all pretty strange to it, me. It was strange because I think it was meant to be strange. Lorca mentions like he's a little bit out of it's like Stamens is appearing a little out of sorts. And as Stamens continues to say things like cool and groovy and like, yeah, 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 this is great. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, this is not the Stamens that has been around for five episodes. Like, he's very sour most of the time. And now all of a sudden he's like, like you said, he's high on mushrooms still. Yeah. Uh, uh, I literally wrote, like, they turned the chief into a stoner. <laughs> yeah, he's totally. And this is where Jason Isaacs, for me, really sells that he's a great actor. As he is just the background of this ep- this little exchange that is happening, you can see his face get continually more worried yeah and, <laughs> and like even even on michael michael you can see during the scene michael's like what the hell's going on like yeah. she's like looking back and forth between him and Lorca. like yeah. uh what Lorca's like i'm getting what i want but something's wrong here the whole time and then he comes like, up I- with a gr- the, one of the greatest lines in the show so far rules are for admirals <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is great great okay, Lorca. Uh, we get Burnham's mind meld machine. Magic, more space magic. We need to uh, we need to enhance the space magic. Give her a better magic spellbook. Yeah, they stick her on a shuttle with Tyler and Lorca says, "Bring them back," and then whispers, "When I say them, I mean Burnham. I don't give a rat about anybody else." And like he then says, "Or don't come back yourself." Yeah, and it's like dang, dude. Something's does he up. Have like a, yeah. Does he have like a crush on Michael or something? No, What's going something, on? I, there's something up with it. Like, he's got a plan. Very clearly he has a plan, right? Like, or like. Oh, I don't know that it's clear. I, okay. When we get to the end of this, there's something up that he's doing, right? That, yes. And yes. it starts with Tyler. He's like making Tyler his right hand guy after he rescues him from a ship, right? He's he, Tyler's indebted because, to him. He's loyal. Yeah, I was going to say, because Tyler is going to be indebted to him and loyal no matter what he does because he saved his life. He broke Burnham out of prison and gave her a job. She's now indebted and loyal. Saru, for some reason, despite kind of thinking like Lorca is a little bit off the end, is very loyal. You know, like something's up with the crew that he's building or something. Um, but that's not to detract from the mind battle that we get with, oh my God. with Sarek and Burnham. I, I thought it was, like I mentioned before that it was really interesting that this was more interesting than having a flashback, right? Because you see, uh, Michael talk about, oh, his last thoughts are about how I failed him and I'm making, 
you know, I, I'm making him sad in his last moments here and all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, then as the space magic goes on, you kind of learn a little more about what's actually going on here. Yeah. Tyler mentions, uh, you know, hey, I've been near death and near death. You don't think about your your people that failed you. You think about the people you let down. Right. And uh, so then uh, it's like, you know, you, then you see the whole scene about what had actually happened. The Vulcan science guys like, actually, we're only going to let one of your two humanish type people in her or Spock. I thought that that is an amazing twist in writing because of how how bad and ashamed he must feel for having chosen Spock and then for Spock well then Spock to so, turn around and basically like stab his dad in the back well, unknowingly so here, here's the difference I think there's a difference here in timelines because in 2009 Star Trek Spock is denied entry to the Vulcan Science Academy and I looked this up, and I think in the regular timeline, he goes through the Vulcan Science Academy, and when accepted to the Expeditionary Force, says, nah, I'm going to go Star Trek with uh, Starfleet. I think that's what's going on here. So I think, so I think they, that, they talk about him going through the Science Academy, but then did not. The I idea is yeah. that that guy was the head of the Expeditionary Force, saying you can have either Michael or Spock. Yeah. And then Spock and, says, hey, you know, my sister went to Starfleet. I'm going to Starfleet. Right, that's kind of how it goes. Or, well, we don't know why, but essentially, you know, Spock then chooses Starfleet and crushes his dad's dreams. Oh, man, he must feel so bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they used his kids against him, he chose, and then, uh And he even tells us, like, you're asking, me, you're asking me to make an impossible choice, which is, you know, a very human thing at this point, right? Vulcan's supposed to be all about logic or whatever. Yeah. And they're making him make the human choice to choose between your two children. It's just like, you know, the literally the impossible thing that no parent can ever do, right? Yeah. It is interesting to see earlier Star Treks when they they definitely tackle the, like, Vulcanism head on. And the cracks haven't shown up yet, you know? Yeah. Vulcans and humans become an intertwined, almost symbiotic species when it comes to the later series. Yeah. Um, because of their becoming, you know, Sarek starts to understand what it really means to unlock Vulcan potential later on as in TNG mm-hmm. and beyond. Um, and it, it is dependent on humans and it's cool to see it start here. And I wonder if they really do add to Spock's character quite a bit by having Burnham educate you on know. some of Spock's I, early I, decisions. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and we get a thing here where uh you know so so burnham has her revelation she's able to wake or Sarek allows her into his mind i guess and he's able to wake up and hit the button or whatever and they save him yay uh and you know so then she confronts him in the medical bay and is like hey dad uh (laughs) you want to talk about what just happened or do you want to be weird and distant and you know make it awkward yeah and Sarek, of course, chooses to make it awkward. And instead of pressing him, gives him a good, like, okay, fine, Dad, I'm going to leave. I know we're going to end up having this conversation later. And unlike you, I'm not going to be a dick about it and force me to have this conversation. I know, now. right? It was it's, like, later. It's funny that she just, like, she just flips the switch and, sh- and she's like, no, you know what? You raised me. I'm a human. I'm not calling you Sarek anymore. Get over it. Yeah. 
I thought it was good. Yeah. That's, that's uh, a cool, cool moment. We kind of glossed over, so maybe we should go back to Lorca and Admiral Cornwell have some time together on the ship while all that stuff is happening. Yeah. So, <laughs> we, yeah, uh, Lorca and Cornwell clearly have history together, and it becomes, you know, she's she comes and sees him and is like, hey, again, what are you doing? You're launching this, like rescue mission off into nowhere without approval we told you not to be using the spore drive all over the place what are you doing man like hey i'm coming to you as a friend here let's bring it in you know uh and then he's like well if we're friends let's talk like friends here's whiskey (laughs) (laughs) and from whiskey let's get in bed apparently yes uh, so, you know, it, 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 they made it seem like maybe that wasn't the first time they had done that either. Clearly. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, all, they're very clearly either ex-lovers or something uh, here. And there's a little I, unceremonious end to their time together as they well, are. Uh, I think it's interesting to bring up the part, you know, before <clears throat> even that where it is Lorca, you know, it. When you see the end resolution of this scene, right, and you go back and look at the earlier part, was Lorca doing all of this to kind of just, like, allay her fears? Yeah, I think definitely he's just trying to get her off his ship. You know, like... And, like, that makes Lorca, like, really cold-blooded and, like, kind of evil. He's acting in some really, like, manipulative... And really just not yes. good ways here. So he's definitely, she calls him out. And so this is where we don't have backstory and it's starting to show that maybe we don't know or see everything because maybe she knew him differently than we have ever gotten to see him. And to her, he's acting new or different. And so to us, it's kind of like, well, he... He doesn't seem like he's changed since the show started, so I don't know what she's all concerned about. But since they have this connection, obviously she sees that he, you know, like she says, you've lied on all your evaluations. You're just, you found a way to trick them into what they want to hear. You know, you're not all right, and I'm going to pull your ship. Yeah. The part I had here was like, what... Do Starfleet's doctors all just, like, really suck? <laughs> like, are they... Are there psyche valves in the future just as bad as the ones we have currently, where they haven't, like, improved the science of telling when people are very obviously lying to you? I don't I, know, but... I just feel like Lorca, his whole character thus far, he hasn't been hiding that he's been crazy. And not even crazy. That's crazy. A, that's, that's an unfair way yeah. to say it. But, like, he's not like he's hiding what his intentions are a lot of the time. I feel like it's pretty obvious. How has no one in Starfleet seen him do this stuff and be like, hmm, maybe he isn't up on the level here. But see, I don't get that. I I don't get that he's not on the level as much. Maybe he isn't. Maybe you're right and you're seeing something deeper into his character. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But it definitely seems like she, she says, basically, I've got a better beat on you than anybody else, right? Like, right. Like, they're creating tension like, I, I with totally her believe, specifically. I totally believe that she sees that he's lying. That part I totally believe. It's just I don't see how everyone else doesn't see it. But with the way I, he's been acting, like th- I feel like people got court-martialed for less. I wonder if she's seeing something beyond what we are able to or 
it just reads badly in terms of like she's the only one that is upset and if that's true then maybe it's a little out of line or or personal or something right because yeah he, she you know, leaves it, the room and he says don't take my ship from me it's all i have right it seems more personal than because we don't have the story or the previous character to rely on to say oh yeah he has changed she's right it's a little we're left a little bit in the wind i'm left a little bit in the wind when i watch it thinking like she she could be right maybe she's the yeah. reliable narrator but also you know this show has now said we're not going to tell you all the backstory all the time so there's unreliability in our characters and that's cool, but it leaves you kind of twisting in the wind on making decisions on who you believe. Yeah. One thing I wrote is that like the thing that happens here uh, that I kind of is sort of seems to be present in the show as a whole is that there's no one who is really just good. Right. And that's okay. All people in real life are all sorts of shades of gray and white and black and every other thing, um, you know, morally and in actual colors. Uh, and that's fine. But Star Trek in the past has always sort of had a, here is the, the line or, you know, if we're bringing up a thing that is ethically or morally confusing, we're going to because we know where the line is we're going to show this thing as a shade of gray because the line is so obvious in Wait. this show i i feel like they don't i don't know where the line is what is lorca not going to do i feel like he would do anything mm-hmm. and so then i don't know that i believe when you know it w- because lorca is so unclear to me i don't have a like the leader in charge at least i think the admiral is probably thing you know, I think you're a little just, it's just, you're you're a little tough. bit hitting the nail on the head here, right? We got Jonathan Archer in twenty one fifty one to say these are the things I think we should do, and the prime directive becomes a thing. And yeah. and for the most part, you know, the Enterprise launches a hundred years later and and the tenants laid down in the early years of space travel are starting to become a thing people are are understanding like we we have certain realities in space we have to watch out for but like lorca says or like harry mud says last episode to lorca this is the first time that really the federation has run into a species that says, Hey, knock it off. You know, like yeah. you are expanding into our space, our space or, or, you know, like the, the, it seems like mud implies you've had a hundred years here where no one's really said boo about you guys running around. And now, uh, now it's time to stop. And you poked your nose somewhere where it wasn't wanted, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it was, I just think it's so confusing to the, you know, just like to understand the the characters when I, the the ideal that I know that Starfleet tries to live up to, this like, you know, paragon of virtue and, you know, right, you know, doing right by other species as well as ourselves and all this stuff. and then. You know, th- this show isn't about that. At least not yet. 
Yeah. And maybe it becomes about that. I don't know. You know, But so far, what I've gotten from like the majority of the characters has been that like, yeah, we all signed on for this. But in reality, everything is a little darker than this nice, you know, shining light over here. I think you definitely have the problem of they built a warship kind of right it was a test bed for a thing that Lorca starfleet has. doesn't build warships right. andrew right i know it's a science vessel everyone's on science right but like yeah Lorca's turning it into a warship and they don't have warships and i think that this is the first time in starfleet history it's not the first time in a show that people have struggled with saying what's what's the line like you said but it's yeah. definitely the first time maybe in starfleet that they're showing us someone went beyond the line and now we know why we have a line yeah. I and you know I I am very curious to where they're going to keep going cuz I I know that the show at the times that it was being aired first I think a lot of people didn't like this too much. Really? Uh the first season I guess was pretty unliked by a lot of, you know, diehard Star Trek fans. Oh, okay. But well, I, I have some complaints. As far I, but I, I have, have no, a lot of hate yeah, for it. I, I, d- I definitely don't have hate for it. I think this has been really fun to watch so far. The episodes have been engaging. Yeah. I just, I don't know that I like the characters or some of the characters, yeah. but I, I'm, I don't think you're supposed to. And yeah. though in that case, then I think they're doing their job. Yeah. Uh, I do think we were talking about, um, we just, shoot, what's, what's his name? Isaacs. Oh, uh, Jason Isaacs, Lorca. Jason Isaacs, yeah, Lorca. Jason yeah. Isaacs. Uh-huh. And he's doing a really fantastic job. He um, he is, and and that's there's. With the end of this episode ends with uh, Cornwell going to the meeting, and it's a right. trap laid by General Cole, the only smart Klingon. <laughs> right again. <laughs> hey, here's the guy. Maybe we should all follow. Yeah. Uh, um. Isaacs is doing a great job, as I think, because I sat there and thought, you know, he made a comment that implies that he knew. Cornwall was going instead of Sarek because Sarek couldn't go and he seemed very 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 reserved but that tiny little Jason Isaacs acting moment where he seems happy because he either suspects he got her he suspects that this is a trap yeah and that he's not gonna lose his ship he very clearly does not engage with Saru or anyone else on the fact that the Admiral said he's going to lose his ship. He assumes right. that, you know, she said, well, when we get back, we'll talk about how you step down. Well, good. And I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm stepping down because, oops, frankly, I think you're going like to go to this meeting. You're not going to come back. Oops. It looks like she never came back. You know, it, 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 I saw this as like a really, really cold-blooded move on his part to essentially send her to die, it feels like. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know that she does die, right? They don't. They don't make that clear. Oh, very clearly it, she's going to be used as bait because yes. they say at the end of the episode, she got captured. We And then uh, Saru's like, we should go get her. And he says, uh, well, let's wait for orders. Regulations. And like, you know, I just don't know how Saru doesn't just immediately go, uh, you're lying. This is the first time you've ever said anything about regulations. Oh, he, does. he totally does. He says, sir, we normally just do this and ask for forgiveness yeah. later. He's like, yeah, but like, she's too important. We don't want to like set off a problem here. So there's definitely like a, that is cold blooded, right? Yeah. That it, moment it, right there. This, is- this moment at the end kind of turned me on. I was starting to believe Lorca's like trying to do good 
you know, in the way the makeup for the things that he did bad on his, his other ship. Nope. Now I feel like he's probably real evil or something like at the end of this is like, dude, he literally just sent that admiral to what he thought would be her death. I definitely see what you're saying. Um, and, and it makes me wonder about like why he's building the crew the way he's building the crew. Like he commissions Burnham to the bridge at the end of this. He, yeah. he's got Tyler, he, you know, like he's built the crew and Stamens is kind of on board with him now. Cause he's all high on mushrooms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a thing he's doing here. The Captain Lorca is doing here behind the scenes that until that moment at the end where maybe you start to see like, oh, I don't. That's ugly. That's an ugly choice uh, yeah. that I don't know why you made that up to that moment. I was thinking Jason, Jason Isaacs is doing a great job making me think like, I think this guy is way beyond, but I can't help but like him. Yeah. Yeah. I still Until, almost kind of like him. No, no. Almost. I, I Almost. I just, I think the, I agree with you up to the point where like he clearly then seduces the Admiral and sends her to her death. <laughs> yeah, but I, that in, definitely in a is very, beyond the pale. I, yeah, I don't know how in to. a very like self-serving way where he's like, oh, she's causing problems for me. Guess I have to kill her. Oh, she chose to kill herself. Ha ha. Like, oh, I didn't I encourage this. I absolutely do not think he would have like killed her or anything. I just think. That- I don't know, dude. It's a, you see that he's carrying the phaser around all the time. And, you know, it's, they kind of I, I feel like they're trying to portray this as like he has like PTSD or something from yeah. his time Definitely. on that ship or something. And okay. But it, it leaves me the thought of, like, if Saru came and said to him, hey, the Admiral told me you were going to step down, would he have shot him? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I doubt it. I think he would have. I don't know. It, it, I, at this point now, I just don't know what to believe about <laughs> So I'll be interested to see where it goes. Yeah, it's cool. I'm uh, I'm still digging it. Like I said, I, I really am enjoying Jason Isaacs' acting. Yeah, and, and Michael Burnham is really good. I actually yeah. wrote at the end, um, oh, so Michael Burnham now is free to have emotions. Dude, she just unloads on Tyler. And then I was like, she's like Data who just put the emotion chip in. Oh my god, right? <laughs> and the end and it's there, like, this is she, this like, like a bad Data. <laughs> <laughs> she sits down in the cafeteria for a guy she spent 30, 40 minutes on a shuttle with one time. And it's just like, hi, these are all the problems I've ever had in my life my dad hates me and i have all these issues in my life and i love you maybe i don't know i'm hungry so i'm tired what's going on <laughs> i'm gonna have you like you now hi how yeah. are you let me shake your hand he's like uh i don't know how to talk to you now <laughs> no it's cool it's cool that she seems to have like gotten a hall pass from this thing that was holding her back you know like yeah. the, uh, amanda had told her her mother had told her you know don't don't forget that you're a human being because otherwise you won't grow. Yeah. So I, cool. I hope we get more of her character now that she's sort of been freed from this. Well, she's going to be on the bridge. So I'll know at least two people's name on the bridge now. Yay. We got a three, couple names. Three of Lorca's there. When Saru was in charge, he said a couple of people's names so fast. Oh, yeah. I, and they're not characters re- outside the bridge. So I have no idea who they are. I remember that. It's the uh, the girl with the thing on her face, and then the girl at the helm. 
Yeah. And the robot. He said yeah. the name of all three of those people. But they're not characters yeah. outside the bridge, so... And never I, know who they are. Yeah, yep. exactly. I don't know. Um, I just want to wrap up talking about uniforms, and then if you have yeah. any other con- comments... I think we've hit all my comments, so let's... Yeah, uniforms, let's go. Those collars are dumb. Wow, they're dumb. I wow. look from afar... Like, I, for some reason, earlier in this show, I feel like we got the uniform shots mostly from afar... And I was like, these look all right. That was my yeah. takeaway a couple episodes ago. Was like, these look I, all I right. I feel like when you first get the shots, like they're backed out enough that you don't notice the little flappy thing. Yeah. And the zipper being off center. Yeah. Why is the zipper off center? Because they have the little flappy thing. I don't. Yeah. The flap makes no sense. You're in space. Even even I could live with the off-center zipper because it's the future. Yeah, sure. And like future clothes have to look cool and well, off-center zippers are cool. And those I red guess, uniforms you like are off-center. Yeah, the original series Star Trek ones have the off-center thing so that they can like flap it over to make a – I don't know what. But the <laughs> – so I could have lived with that. Uh-huh. The, what is this little like little flappy neck collar partial thing? What is this? It's terrible. It's really bad. And, and then uh, yep, underneath it, there's like a fold yep. that like folds in under yep. it that covers the top of the zipper uh-huh. or something. Yep. It would take forever to get into that in the morning. Even if you figured out a way to get into it quickly, you would never be able to take it off without someone helping you. It's terrible. <laughs> it, it's like trying to tie a tie while you're looking down at it. This is a very like male centric problem, I guess. But like if you've ever tried to tie a tie without looking in the mirror, it's very hard. I think it is. And I feel like you're going to be doing this every day, except that you can't see the collar and the flappy thing and wherever it connects under there. Right. And the zip- oh, my God. Let's talk about shoulders. Okay. So it appears that they have blue as the main uniform thing. Silver, if you're science or not on the bridge. And then Question gold mark. for everyone else, which is already a problem. We've talked about that before. How does anyone know who a captain what is? Do you, what do you do? Like, what? I don't know that you're an engineer by looking at you, right? Like, that's a problem, which is... Very helpfully, the doctor wears white, so you know who he is. The doctor wears white. Okay. <laughs> Hooray. Um, you know one person. And then we get that meeting with the admirals. And you start to notice the tiny differences in uniforms. Like Tilly, the cadet, has three stripes, but everyone else has four stripes. And the shoulder pads for people that are not the captain, they don't have any leafing. From the tips of his shoulders to his neck on Lorca has a little bit of striping. And then if you're an admiral, you just have shoulders that are gold from your neck all the way down your forearm. Who can read that? Clearly, they have a lot of time in Starfleet Academy to teach them all these subtle cues so that when they're on a battlefield or out exploring space, they could very quickly identify who is what by zooming into their shoulders and reading the complex series of signs that happen to be there that indicate that they're a one-star versus a three-star admiral. Those shoulders on the admiral look so dumb. I, the the shoulders on every person, I think, look dumb. 
the silver ones and the gold ones? I think the uniforms look okay if they're plain, as long as they would have had some sort of thing to show rank separately. You know, like dots. Like yeah. they used to have and worked just fine. Yep. Or if you think it's too early in the timeline to have those dots. No, because they had pips on Captain Archer. Okay. Or if you wanted to do like what the original series does and put people in different colored shirts, that worked real good. Sure did. There were no pips on those, but you just knew because he was wearing the one color and that thing. That makes it easy. Yep. I really no, wish. Huh? Yeah, we're doing the, this complicated stuff today. It, I just the Enterprise has the other uniforms. Why didn't they just go with them? I understand they don't want it to look like a '70s show, so they have to do some kind of update to the way those uniforms look. That's but you fine. could have still kept the colors. Yeah. What if What if the shoulder pads were different colors? Bam, done. Something. Something was you have a light here. blue, you have a red, you have a gold. Now you know who's who. Done. Yeah. I'm a I, genius, Andrew. You are you are a costume designer. God. Yeah. That, I, I agree with you that as these episodes went on, I got more by the way the uniforms are indistinct and I was unable to tell who had what position. Yeah, it really started to wear on me like episode five in the admiral's meeting and then episode six i was just like these so not these don't look that great <laughs> yeah like if you if you showed me saru like the only reason i knew saru was the first officer is because someone told me yeah i can't tell what saru would be yeah i know he's got gold on which means he's probably an officer of some kind yes but it's everybody but like, that's wearing gold what if so. he's is he higher ranked than Lorca? i don't know if you just showed me their two pictures i wouldn't know right i think yeah i don't i don't know man all right well i don't know man uh, i think we kind of covered like the mental shifts that we've taken in the show i think that we've covered three episodes is pretty good yeah we motored through it pretty quick there wasn't mm -hmm. the Sarek episode was pretty light so it was like really easy to cover <laughs> It definitely, there's a lot of stuff happening, you know, in between the flashbacks and whatever. There was like, you know, a few big scenes with Lorca doing the stuff with the Admiral and then uh, Michael having her mind magic with Sarek. Yeah. Um, the episode wasn't bad. It was just like, light. yeah, light. Light's the right way to describe it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this was Subspace 10. Hey, we rounded it out. We're in two digits now. And uh, you can email us why you think these uniforms are good, and we'll argue with you if you'd like. At uh, what is that podcast at wewerGamers.com? Yeah, podcast at wewerGamers.com. Or you can uh, find us on YouTube, where we have game footage and Star Trek pods and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, subscribe to that YouTube, man. Get mm -hmm. get notified by when we post new stuff. There's a little bell you can click. Let's talk about. Star Trek on Twitter sometimes. You can follow us there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll be back next episode with three more, I think, at least. Yeah. yeah. Let let us know how you feel about these, the, the pace here. I feel like this pace is pretty good. I liked it. All right, man. Well, back into the Trekverse. Yeah. Oh, man. Now I want to watch Spider-Man again. I just got it. It's on Blu-ray on my counter.